When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Turn up your volume, volume. The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> you know, I, 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 there is a bomb. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est bon. You found the dogs, John. You found the dogs. He found the dogs. And all together, they worked the young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6 beer. Intense by nature. And Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. It's going to be sick. Marinero on this Tuesday, January 31st. It's one minute past 10 o'clock, and the Montreal Canadiens lose by a score of 5-4 to four versus the Ottawa Senators at the Bell Center in Montreal. And the beauty of this one, for someone like me who's been preaching rebuild and preaching try and get the best draft pick as possible, your best chances in the lottery, is that they lost in regulation. Therefore, they don't pick up the loser point in overtime. It's a beautiful. This is the way I want it to be, folks. I'm sorry if you think it's a loser attitude or you think it's a defeatist one. I, for one, tend to think it's very, very intelligent, and I tend to think that there's, you know, there's a plan, all right? That's the way I see it. Um, Brady Kachuk scores the game-winning goal with, a minute and 18 seconds left in regulation in what was a very, very entertaining game. These are the games I want to see, folks. Give me games like this. The Ottawa Senators, three minutes and 49 seconds into the game. They're off to a 2 nothing lead. And the Montreal Canadiens, you know what? They try and get back in this hockey game. Both teams score two goals. Raphael RV Pinard, his beautiful story continues. He scores two goals again tonight. I believe he's got five in his last seven. Isn't that something considering? That, uh, that's a lot more goals than many Montreal Canadiens players this year uh, who have played a lot more games than him. Kirby Doc scores on the power play. Mike Hoffman scores on the power play. Um, Jake Allen, we saw the best and worst of Jake Allen. There's some that he could have had. There's some that he got a little bit unlucky, and there's some pretty miraculous saves that he made. So I thought this game had everything. It was very, very entertaining. The only thing it didn't have was a fight between Arbor Jacki and Brady Kachuk, but Arbor Jacki wanted a piece of Brady Kachuk and they didn't go. And no, by the way, I'm not going to be one of those who are going to say that Brady Kachuk wanted no part of Arbor Jacki. I mean, I can't put myself in Brady Kachuk's head to know exactly what Brady Kachuk was thinking. But knowing Brady Kachuk a little bit based on what we've seen, I'd be willing to bet that he's not scared of Arbor Jacki. That doesn't mean that he would beat him in a fight, but 
I don't think he's scared to fight him if that's what you're thinking. But he chose not to fight him. And Jack, I got in a pretty good shot with the gloves on too and stuff like that. We have a lot to talk about, so I'm going to bring in, and I know I've been listening to you, and many of you love when we do a roundtable, when we're three people and we exchange ideas and it's flowing very, very quickly and very nice and so many different opinions. So tonight we bring on Max Van Hoot of BPM Spa, 91.9 on your FM dial if you're listening from Montreal. Quebec's number one all-sports radio station, um, especially since the end of May. And Mitch Jaguer, former coach in the KHL. And now, of course, Mitch with Le Carabin, the women's ice hockey team. Mitch, good evening. Max, good evening. Speaking of which, Mitch, how have you liked your move from uh, Russia back to Montreal? Well, at the moment, it's hard to say it was not a good move, you know. Uh, I've heard there were some bad things going on over there, but uh, so far I have to say it's been wonderful. It's been amazing having Christmas with the kids and uh, Christmas gift and everything. It's uh, It's been a blast. And obviously to be on your podcast, it's beyond and above everything. Wow. Hey, 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 hey. Agnello back at Master Control and Sammy, pay that man. All right. Okay. <laughs> Max, how you doing, buddy? Tony, my man, how are you? I'm doing very, very good. I'm not so sure. Let me see. Okay, I think I hear you better now. All right, uh, guys, this is just the way I like them. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I thought this was a very, very entertaining game. Before we get to that, of course, the sick podcast uh, is brought to you in part by Lacage. The last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the Cup back in 1993. It's time you go back to Lacage. The menu will surprise you. And as the Senator Serge Savard told us yesterday, uh, this is the year where it is the 30-year anniversary of that Montreal Canadiens team to win the Stanley Cup. And Serge reminded us last night, the last Canadian team to do so. Yeah, he takes an awful lot of pride in that. I can't blame him. Also brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group. Energy, like Raphael RV Pinard. They are a leading full-service logistics provider serving all of North America. They are driven to be different. And speaking of energy, my buddies Mike Cinquino and Sean Gerard. They are all about passion and energy, just like RHB. And brought to you in part by 8.6 Beer, intense by nature of the beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark. All right. Okay. So, Mitch, we'll start with you. What's the one thing more so than anything else now that this game is over that you took out of it? Well, to be honest with you, I'm not really watching the abs this year, but since Harvey Pinar is there. It's he, that kid. Like I, I had a chance to coach that kid back in the days when he was 15 years old. And that kid just blew my mind. And even now he's, he's amazing. He said it um, earlier that he has more goals than a lot of players right now. And like what, seven, eight games now. Uh, so that kid uh, he's doing everything that he can right now to stay with the big club, with the big team, or at least, to leave something that okay, you want to send me down, you have to, you need to have a good, really, really good reason. So that's the thing. And obviously, uh, like you said, it was a really, really good game, but I'm happy that they lost because we we want them to finish last. Uh, but when they're playing like that and it's a really high paced, entertaining game, it's I think it's a win win for everyone. All right, okay. Um, somebody just brought up a comment on YouTube Live, 
and it's from Eric Morrison, who says five goals in seven games. That is exactly what Slavkovsky should have done. All right, oh. folks, <laughs> let's put things in perspective. Okay, come on. Raphael RV Pinard has played three games in the queue, 50 games in the queue, 67 games in the queue, 66 games in the queue, 62 games in the queue in the regular season. In the playoffs, one year of seven games, another year of seven games, another year of 22 games. I'm going to do this very, very quickly. Okay, very, very, very well, quickly. by the way. It's uh, it's uh, 128 and 67 would be 195, 195 and 50 would be 245, 245 and three would be 248, 248 and 14 would be 262 plus 20 would be 282. So he played 282 games. I'm pretty good at math. I think you can see that he played 200. I hope I didn't make a mistake. He played 282 games in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, spanning over four years. He played 36 games and 69 games with the Laval Rocket. And then this past season, 37 games with the Laval Rockets. So spanning over three seasons, 36 and 69 is 105, and 37 is 142, plus the playoffs of 15 is 157. So, I mean, 157 games at the American Hockey League level, spanning over two and a half seasons, and I don't, I forget what that, name, that number was. I should have wrote it down that I just told you in the queue. Um, but it was like what 240 something games spanning over four seasons, and he's 24 years old compared to 18 years old, folks. I mean, for the love of God, I mean, Eric, why do you do stuff like this? Why do you message stuff like this? Why do you write stuff like this? Come on, man, Max, tell them, come on, man. What was his name, Eric? Eric, Eric Morris, Eric. Eric, with all due respect, RHP wasn't even drafted at Slavkovsky's age. He was drafted his second time around. He was undrafted this first year of eligibility. So there's, this, it's like comparing my three and a half on the plateau with Tony's mansion in LaSalle. They're both great, not, not comparable. It's not the same thing at all. It's not a mansion. It is. It's a beautiful sale, I, will, I will get more than a million, but it's not a mansion. All right. No, okay. Let's get that out of the way. Trying to bring up the value of my house here. So, uh, great um, great stuff, Max. You know, Mitch, you talked about coaching Raphael R.V. Pinard. I knew what I was doing when I put you on the podcast tonight. It's a big game for him. He does that five and seven. I think everyone's falling in love with the passion, the heart, the energy. I just hope people don't get carried away because, as you know, in this city, when you're a kid from here and then all of a sudden you go on a hot streak, uh, well, then everyone wants you on the first line all the time. They want you on every power play. They want you to play over 20 minutes a game, and they're going to go on the radio or television. They're going to say that that kid's going to score over 30 goals next year, okay? Chances are that's not going to happen. But I will ask you this. As someone who coached him, how good can he be? Like, what is a realistic ceiling for RHP? Well, the first time I, I watched him was at the first practice at a training camp. Didn't know him at all. And one of my close friends was a scout in the queue, and he said, you'll see that kid is special. And I mean, like, really special. And at the first practice, I was with a new team, so I didn't know anything. And I saw him, and I was like, oh, geez, that guy's going to play pro. Like, his work ethic, smile, passion. He's coming from a blue-collar team, a, a family. You, I think, Tony, you know, or his sister, 
uh, Katrin Harvey Pinar. Yeah. They're, they're amazing people. She works for uh, the press newspaper. Yeah. Yeah. She's a and... good hockey player. She's on my team sometimes. Oh, yeah. Really? She is. She played yesterday. Oh, did you did you want loss? What was the score? Oh, Let's okay. not talk about this. We have one win in 18 games. Let's not even go there. It's coming. <laughs> you're, you're tanking it is. too? Or? No, expansion team. Expansion team. Oh, okay. Keep going, Mitch. Wow. I'm sorry. So, uh, so, so that kid always played with a smile, but always with a chip on his shoulder. And and that's why he made it through everything. Uh, now, it, it's nice because, like you said, he's scoring goal. He's playing on the first line. He's, he, he's, he's awesome. But obviously, he's not, he's not a top six. Um, so I'll see. It could be a really, really great uh, third liner guy, like because he can, he can, he can play hard. He can play on a power play. He can play on a PK. Uh, just watch his second goal tonight. He's going where most of the players doesn't want to go. But this is where you have to be if you want to score goals. Like you just you shoot and you just track the puck. You didn't even think it was just following the the, the, the puck. So I think like a third liner. It could be really good in in a position or in a spot that will help him to grow. And obviously, his hockey sense is so good that he can he can be in any kind of chair you you ask him to do, and he's willing to do everything to stay there. So third liner, uh, if not fourth, but he's he's able to play in the NHL as we can see right now. Max, you know, a lot of people have said now for about a year or two that one day Raphael RV-Pinard is going to take Brendan Gallagher's spot in the lineup. Um, Gallagher's hurt. He has been for a couple of years now. He has not been lucky in that regard. His production has dropped. He's going to be here for a while considering the contract he has and the lack of production that'll be a very, very tough contract to move. But Brendan Gallagher, once upon a time, was playing 20 minutes a game, was playing on the Canadians' first line and was scoring 30 goals, and he did that more than once. Uh, if Raphael RV-Pinard ends up being a third-line player, like Mitch, who coached them, just told us, then he'll be the Canadians' Gallagher in terms of his heart and his soul, Yeah, but he's not going to be the Canadians' Gallagher in terms of minutes and goals. He won't be, but I also think it will mean that the Montreal Canadiens will be better than they were in Gallagher's prime. Because we all love Brendan Gallagher, but on a, and I'm asking Mitch, on a, on a good Stanley Cup contending team year after year, is he really a top six player like he was? I don't think he is. And that's what I find interesting, Mitch, when you're talking about um, RHP's potential is at the end of the game saying we took him and put him with uh, Suzuki and Anderson. And he fit in right there. So he will be able, I think, to bring this um, when you have injuries, when you when there are moments in the game when he is on and he can bring it. But uh, I, I, I've always thought that if this guy gets in the show, if he has his opportunity, it will be as a bottom six player, capable of bringing secondary scoring, like, uh, like Mitch said, and it just confirms what I, what I think of him, yeah. All right, okay. Uh, it's a big night for him who ends up uh, being on the number one line. Let's bring up the lines going into the game if we can. And Yellow and Sammy and Master Control, bring them up here. All right. Suzuki was to be between Anderson on his right and Pitlick on his left. And uh, Harvey Pernard found himself with Suzuki and Anderson after not too long. Doc with Hoffman and Dadonov. Belzil with Yelonen and Dvorak, and uh, Michael Pizzetta was the other forward. On D, Jacki Savard, Matheson, Baron, Harris, Kovacevic, Weidman, uh, who basically was really a number seven. Chris Weidman had uh, 
I wrote this down. Let me see. Six minutes and 42 seconds of ice time. And uh, Jake Allen, of course, got the start in goal. So that was your Montreal Canadiens lineup. Mitch, besides the fact that the Canadians aren't a good team, uh, talk to me in general about teams that you probably may have coached. Did you have any that were slow out of the gates? Because it seems like the Canadians concede early and, and, and are behind the eight ball early on in the game. It's not easy. As a coach, it's not easy because no matter what you're seeing before the game or in practice or morning skate, it's in their mind. The players, they know that at the start of the game, the only thing they're thinking is we don't want to get scored first. So they're not playing the same way. Uh, And obviously it would happen when you think about something. Most of the time that thing happens. So and now you play a little bit trips, you your, your stick is more tight in your hand and you're, you're, you should be making easy play, but it seems to be complicated. I, I, don't, I don't know about that one, Mitch, because when I was younger, I thought about a lot of things and a lot of people, nothing ever happened. I got to tell you that right now. Well, back in the days, <laughs> they, it, it, yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. But it's different era. You know, it's the kids now, even like, even when I coach in the KHL, 30 plus years old boy, they're, they're just different bread. But I mean, when you're out of the gate, it, it is hard to get him back. And you, let's watch a Canadian. Like, I'll go back with RHP. Got seven points in, or how many, like six points. It's it's more than Pizzetta, Pitlick, uh, a couple of guys. That's, it, it is hard. And, but at the end of the day, what Marty is doing with the team, I think it's it's really, really good. And it's really great. Even if they're losing, they're ha- they're still having a chance to be there. They're fighting hard, uh, but again, there's we, we've talked about it. Uh, I think before uh, before Christmas, there's just too many players that almost don't deserve to play for the Habs. That's the biggest challenge right now. All right, so uh, Max, besides RV Pinard, who caught your attention? Uh, is it positively and negatively, or positively only? Uh, we're gonna start with positively first. Suzuki was really good tonight. I was really glad because headed into the All-Star game and he has been the focus of a lot of media attention these days. And uh, myself, I talked about it on my show yesterday and it's normal. Like today there was this guy calling, like trying to roast me for for talking about Suzuki's lack of production. Suzuki has had a lack of production for the past month and a half. Fact. Um, I'm not dunking on him or anything. I, in matter of fact, I'm not worried about it. A bit disappointed, to be honest, but not worried about it the slightest bit um, for Nick Suzuki. But it's good for him to have had this type of game tonight because it he looked like the Suzuki of the start of the season. It's not just because of the points. It was the quality of the pass. It was the quality of the plays on the power play. So uh, Nick Suzuki really positively uh, a really good game tonight. He had two assists. Um, and I'm trying to, uh, they don't have it on NHL.com uh, on the regular page. I'll have to check, but I'm curious to see if he uh, shortened his presence tonight. That was a, there was a lot of talk about it. Uh, Bob Arthur talked yeah, about over, it with JC. Over, I'm curious over, about it. Yeah, over a minute shifts or whatever. But yeah. look, I gotta, I gotta say this, all right? Um, look, I'm, I'm probably one to talk here because I can, you know, uh, I could make it difficult for some players and some athletes at times. Mind you, I've always thought I was fair. I really believe I am. You are, Tony. We we got to leave Nick Suzuki alone, okay? We sound like all, you know, we all sound like a bunch of clowns 
Really? We all sound like a bunch of idiots. And when they say that players don't want to play in Montreal, it's because the second someone starts criticizing Suzuki, you're an idiot. It doesn't mean that he's not subject to criticism. We have to put the things in context, man. Please put the things in context. He's early on in his National Hockey League career. He's 23 years old. It takes the best center in the National Hockey League to hit about 25 or 26 to really start being comfortable at their position. He plays on one of the worst teams in the National Hockey League. At one point, he had five kids on defense. Their transition game isn't very good. Their power play is, you know, the worst in the league or or thereabouts. I didn't check the stats today. He, he lost. He never had a right winger to begin with. Then they gave him Kirby Dock, who did well. And then at one point, Kirby Dock had to go back to center. He had unbelievable chemistry with Caulfield. They were lighting it up. And then Caulfield goes down with that injury. Dock's taken off that number one line. The team has been decimated with injuries even more than that. They weren't deep and weren't very good to begin with. It's a lost season. Anyone who has half a brain knows the Canadians were not going to make the playoffs this year. Everyone knows the Canadians are in a rebuilding year. But you know what? Some people get so emotional and they start talking about winning right away and winning right away and winning right away. You know, (laughs) anyone who criticizes Nick Suzuki right now is an idiot. It has to stop. It has to stop. Players are not going to want to play here anymore, man. Come on. That's it. Oh, I, I agree. No, and and you, you forgot something. He play against night night out, night in. He, he's playing against number one line over there. Against. Yeah. that That's hard. For a 23 years old kid, that makes it even harder. And he doesn't have anybody to defend it. I have a question for you, uh, Mitch, on this one. Because um, Suzuki came in the league. He had Dano, right? Who had that job? That was like Dano's job was playing the best center. Yeah. Are we um, missing that guy now? <laughs> oh, man. Been missing him since day one. And it's a love story with Phil. Yeah, Dvorak's um, no Dano. No, no, he isn't. And I I, I, I did my... Uh, is mea culpa a thing in English, Tony? Is that how yeah. you say it too? Yeah. When you admit you were wrong? I, I When they got Devo, I was like, okay, he's going to be less defensive, but a bit more offensive. So I guess 25 cents for... 425 cents for I'm a box. same, Max completely wrong on it it's all it's all it's all cool i, I completely acknowledge it but uh, so he had dano last year we thought he would have dvorak he didn't then he got monahan at the start of the season he was amazing then since monahan has been down that's to um alleviate uh that uh, workload against the best centerman uh of the league this is when it started going a bit uh, more difficult for suzuki so that's my question to you um elite centermen they can play anybody doesn't change a thing but the category just under which i think suzuki will be in the end he will not be an elite center but he will be a bona fide number one center just below uh the franchise uh the franchise type of player mm-hmm. do do you think he will become a player that can take that workload of being offensive and playing the best centerman on the other side or will he always at least need another guy to uh, alleviate that charge of work. I think the way he's playing, the way he's built, he needs somebody else, but not to be more uh, more a defensive player, but just to help him. Like you said, Monahan at the start of the season was helping him a lot. So now everyone is complaining about his ice time. And like I just watched, first period was 104, the average uh, shift 
110 the second period and 47 the third one. But people has to think about he's playing on a power play. Obviously, power play, you're out there for minute, minute and a half. So that doesn't. But anyway, meaning now he's playing on a power play. He's playing on a PK. He's playing important face off. He's everywhere because there's nobody else on the team that can do that job. So obviously, you want him to put up points. That's why he's the captain. That's why uh, he got a big salary, a big contract. That's fine. And he can be good at shutting down the opponent. But who's going to help him? Dvorak? He's he's not fast enough. He's slow. Now yeah. you have Kirby Dak that is right now as a center. He's, he's winning face-off now. But previously, he was not winning. It was like 30-35. So you don't want to send him out, out there. Uh, Evans is out. Uh, you have like nobody. So I think they need somebody like Phil Deneau or I'll say a real number two centerman like Monaghan so they can split the job and one will um, say, okay, I'm going to take more defensive face-off. So he's going to have more offensive face-off and they can split the the, 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 the workload. And obviously yeah. both players are going to be better at the end of the day. Since we're giving our mea culpa on the whole Philip Dano thing, okay, allow me to raise my <laughs> hand as well, okay, and let me explain myself. I wasn't ready to give Phil Dano a six-year deal at $5.5 million, okay? I admit. The reason why I wasn't willing to give it to him was not because I didn't think he was worth 5.5, because I looked at Drouin at 5.5, and, and I looked at Gallagher at 6.5, and, and, and I really felt that he was worth it. But I also saw Tyler Toffoli sign as an unrestricted free agent a four-year deal at $4.25 million, and I said, if Toffoli's at 4.25, how are you going to give Dano 5.5 for six years? Because the Gallagher contract's a back contract, the Drewing contract's a back contract, but you don't have to measure yourself on that. You have to measure yourself on the good ones that you give. And that's the reason why I was against that contract. Having said that, it's clear as day that Philip Dano is a better hockey player than Christian Dvorak. There's no doubt about it. It's clear as day that if Mark Bergevin was going to give a contract to either Dano or Gallagher, and he chose Gallagher, he made a mistake. He should have given it to Dano. So there you go, Phil Dano. Even though I'm defending you tonight, he still doesn't talk to me, by the way. and didn't want to come on my podcast because he's very, very offended that at the time I said, I didn't think he's worth the money. You know what, though? It's his prerogative. He's okay to feel that way. He's okay. But I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this. This is what happens. You clamor for the good she knew. And then if you go against them once, you're going to be all offended because they expect to be protected by all of us in the media. No, it's our generation, Tony. We're soft. Uh, We're maybe, soft. maybe We're big softies. Uh, so now that I got my Nick Suzuki rant out of the way, you'll please allow me one more, okay? Can we stop talking about Pierre-Luc Dubois? Like, what is going on in this city, man? Wait, the, you, would not, you would not trade Slavkovsky for Dubois? That's what you're He's saying? He's coming, Dubois. The, the topic of conversation in this city now for the last three weeks has been Suzuki's overrated. Suzuki's not a number one centerman. Suzuki's not worth the money. And what are the Canadians going to trade for Pierre-Luc Dubois? He's under contract with the Winnipeg Jets. His contract expires at the end of the year in which he'll be a restricted free agent in which he'll still belong to Winnipeg. So he'll still sign with Winnipeg. And, and we have a year and a half before he probably becomes available. Probably. 
And every day we're spending hours and hours and hours on every social media outlet that there is to talk about what it's going to take to bring Pierre-Luc Dubois to Montreal. What, what in the world is going Tony? on in this city? He, he's we don't coming. have goalie talk Tony. anymore. He's coming, Tony. Come on. <laughs> Made your mind. And, and you know what, Tony? Not only Dubois is coming, but I've heard oh Connor God. McDavid is coming when he's coming UFA. <laughs> he's going to sign in Montreal. Oh, my that's God. That's the place he wants to be. Oh, that's beautiful. So oh, my God. now Nick Suzuki is going to be the third center. I love I, – I, I, you know, I really like Pierre Dubois. I, Pierre Luc Dubois. Good. Like, I really do. Like, I take him on my team every day of the week and twice on Sundays. But what is this whole thing about talking about him every day when he plays for the Winnipeg Jets and he's RFA, like, at the end of the year? Like, we're making it look like he's an unrestricted free agent tomorrow. Like, what in the world is going on? Like, why in the end? So that he's one more person that we know so that we can invite him over for a barbecue and maybe be invited to his wedding one day. Can we please stop? Okay, hey, Tony, if we're on the subject, we don't want to hear about no more. Can we, good people, can we also stop with Yaroslav Askarov, please? The Nashville Predators are never going to trade Yaroslav Askarov. I've heard people talk about him for two weeks. And today, a guy called on my show to trade Yese Ulanen, a second-round pick, And uh, like uh, Caden Primo for Yaroslav, please stop, stop. They're never going to trade right him. All right, let's go. Let's 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 get all the subject we don't want anymore. Out hey, of the, and, and, house and, tonight. And, and to my buddy, and to my buddy, and he he knows who he is. Okay, and and I love him. I really love him a lot. Uh, and he knows who he is, right? You you've heard him. He he makes very brash statements because he's very emotional. To my buddy, and I know you're watching right now. Can you please stop trading players before they even finish one year in the NHL? <laughs> first, it's wait, first it's the centerman, then it's the winger. Now it's the other winger. Can you make them finish one year in the National Hockey League before you want to trade them? You want to trade everybody, the guy. I am not trade him. Go get him. Trade him. Go get him. So Tony, trade him. go get him. So Tony, left with this team pretty soon. While we're talking about trade, what do you think we can receive for Caulfield? Oh my, oh God. my God! I'm not It's trading just... Cole Caulfield. <laughs> oh come on! His connection goals. is suddenly bad, guys. He scores goals better than anyone not named Stefan Riche in the last 30 years. Like we like, let's stop. Like we know. no, we have to. I understand we have to create discussion on radio and television. Really, I get it. But I mean, I don't know. Let's talk about CF Montreal. Let's talk about Kai Kamara. Uh, let, let, let's talk about bringing in a DP. Let's talk about their philosophy of, of developing players and selling them after one year. Let's still Can talk, talk about, about the, the Alouettes that needs the, to be sold if we want the, to keep him. Let, let's talk about trying to bring back Mario Cicchini because he should have never yes, lost please. his job in the first place. Let's bring a local ownership group to the Montreal Alouettes. And when we do, let's make sure they hire Mario Cicchini to be the president of the Alouettes. I mean, Let's 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 talk about Arthur Berdarbaev. What 38 years old is a silent assassin, and the other night he had an incredible, incredible fight. Uh, you know, in, in in England, and and this guy is like he's just he's a, he's a he's a different beast. He's a different animal. Let, 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 I mean, let, let's talk. See if Montreal is going on their preseason. They're leaving on Sunday and are going to Florida. Ben Maturin is a, is a uh, is a is a, is a rising star yeah. in the NBA. I, I mean, 
Can, can we? We're talking about Pierre Luc Dubois, who plays for another team. We're talking about trading Suzuki. Uh, Suzuki's no good anymore. We're talking about trading Slavkowski. That it's enough. You love it's it, Tony. It's enough. enough. I hear the I hear the passion. You love it so much. It's enough. It's enough. You, you love it. You love it so much. No, okay. You know what? I I, I just I I I got it. Like I, I just I need to vent. I'm finding tonight is a night where I need to. I'm finding that this podcast one hour. It's not enough. I'm thinking of going on tomorrow morning to do another hour. Tomorrow afternoon to do another hour. I'm just, it's, it's enough. I have to. We have to. We have to. We have to. We have to bring things back in here. Let's go. You know. Let's. <laughs> hey, I want to say something. After I know I've been talking a lot, but I want to say something else. I don't know if you guys saw this, but I want to bring a lot of attention to it. Now we can stop joking around and we can be serious for a second. I don't know how long the great Pat Hickey has been working in the media, writing for the Montreal Gazette, but I'd be willing to bet it's a very, very, very long time. And the Gazette is going through some difficult financial times right now, and uh, they're going to be laying people off, and people are going to be losing their job. Today, Pat Hickey took an early retirement so that someone younger in the business can actually keep their job. So he decided to walk away from the job that he loves. And uh, and I wanted to tip my hat to Pat because that's not something that everyone would do. I think it's a very, very noble thing that he did. I think it's a beautiful thing that he did. I know that Pat still has a big passion for sports and a big passion for his job. And if he'd have his way, he would not walk away on an early retirement. But he did it so that someone else can make a living and uh you can say what you want about pat you can like his writing style or not like his writing style but that's that's a class move by pat hickey and uh, i just wanted to bring it up and i want to wish pat all the best and i hope and i'm sure his friends will have uh you know uh will celebrate pat the way he should be celebrated uh i mean i wasn't celebrated when i walked away but that's another story <laughs> and, and if <laughs> You went there. And if yeah. I may, Tony, uh, as someone from the younger generation in the biz, um, honestly, it's uh, it's moving. I don't know if that's the right word. No, no, no. But, c'est touchant. Uh, c'est très touchant. Yeah, exactly. Because when I, when I heard this this morning uh, in a group chat with other uh, journalists, everybody were shocked. But uh, when I read the reason why, you know, it's uh, – As a millennial, it's a you know ten years ago when I decided to 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 study and to get into this biz. You know, my parents, who are government workers, were like, "What the heck are you doing? This is not a profession of the future." So there is not a lot of jobs, and it has been for years now uh, business in uh, compression. Uh, the budgets are getting tighter, and all of that. And to see a man like Pat, who had no reason, selfishly no reason to do that, step up and do it for younger person to keep working in the biz um i don't know pat that much i've met him a couple of times on the yeah. different uh, coverage and a true gentleman a true gentleman who is always there to show things a great guy to be around uh honestly uh, it, it, i think it's really really moving to see this from him because it's a tough biz to get in uh, there are there are probably people at the gazette right now younger journalists who keep their job because of a guy like him. So honestly, 
just love for Pat Hickey. A really, really tremendous selfless, selfless move that he made there today. Yeah, it really was. And look, I, I know it, uh, you know, with, uh, with free speech here and everyone can talk and everyone can chat and everyone can message and write whatever they want. Some are going to say, well, you know what? You're older. Go ahead. You retire. Enjoy life and stuff like that. A lot of people love their jobs and a lot of people love to work. And they think that, you know what, when they stop working, it's they're, they're just going to have a hard time finding other stuff to do. And um, and so, you know, once again, Pat still has that fire and he loves his job. But I, And I, I really wanted to bring it up. I think it's important. All right. Uh, so, you know, have a great retirement, Pat. You had a, you had a great, great career and, uh, and we love you. Hey, is uh, Brady Kachuk... Scared of Arbor Jacka? Nah, he's not. Come on. Not at all. Not a chance. The guy, didn't he has a rookie fight Shea Weber, and now he's going to be scared of Arbor Jackai? No, he's not. Yeah, I, I never thought Shea Weber was a great fighter. No. I mean, I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't would fight him. I wouldn't, I wouldn't fight him. Okay. Never. I wouldn't I wouldn't even fight my, uh, Mitch Jaguar. I mean, never mind Shea Weber. But, uh, <laughs> but I never thought he was a great fighter. I mean, uh, no, I know not. that I know that you know anyone can land the punch and anyone can knock anyone out. But when I saw Travis Moen completely knock out and concuss Shea Weber, uh, I didn't think Shea Weber was a great fighter. No, he so, was not. I agree. Yeah, he was not. But here's the thing: if they're fighting each other and Jacki just one punch, one hit wonder, whatever it is, yeah. that can change the momentum. So that was a smart move, I think, to not drop the cloth. Exactly. Ketchuk knows what he's doing. He knows exactly what he is doing. And I don't know if you saw that tonight, that he, he and his brother, and I think Max Domi, lead their, their, uh, their team in points and penalty minutes. The Ketchuk brother know exactly what they're doing. And sometimes I, I think Matthew's more talented, but I think Brady is better in this uh, agitating things that he does because he knows exactly when to pick his moment at all time. And at those moments, the team was leading. The Ottawa Senators were having the momentum. He is still at this point way more important offensively to the Senators than Arbor Jakai is. There's literally no reason to go. Jean-Maurice Bicard says Kachuk was scared like Luchik was versus Larac. Okay. Uh, <laughs> look, only they know, but I'd be willing to bet that Kachuk wasn't scared. And with all due respect to our friend George, who I'm sure would have won the fight. Okay. I don't think Milan Lucic was scared of George Larac. I mean, Milan. George Lucic has told the story many times. He, he knows Lucic wasn't scared of him. Of course, Lucic's not scared. Lucic is this. Lucic is uh, is he's he's a beast, the beast he him is. too. I mean, I would have bet unreal. on George, but he's you unreal. Know, like even when Milan Lucic loses fights, like the other guy, he's he, he gets incredibly beat up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But it was like what two weeks ago you fought somebody and you're like, man, he still can fight. Pierre Olivier. Yeah, it was Olivier? I think right. Yeah, and Lucic is like what forty five years old. Yeah, no, he's <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. Yeah, no, no, I, like, know, I know what you mean. Yeah, he's been in the league for a, a long, long he's time. He's not a young kid, but he's he still know how to fight. That's, yeah, that scares me. To be yeah, honest. no, no, he's like, uh, he's 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 not scared of anyone. That's for sure. No, hey, um, Tim Stutzler's really something, though. Eh? Oh man, they're gonna the two team, the the Kings and the Rangers are gonna regret that one. Like it, it's so easy for me to oh, say yeah. a few years later, but. I was I fell in love with that guy at the World Juniors. Was it? Uh, yeah, it was the 2021, 2019, 2020, the last one before the pandemic. 
And um, I, I randomly, it was raining that day during the World Juniors Championship. I was supposed to go skiing. And I'm like, well, I'm not going skiing. I opened the television. There is a totally random Germany versus USA game. And I'm like, yeah, I'll watch five minutes of this. And the yeah. USA will be ahead by five goals. And then suddenly, I think he was wearing number eight with Germany, if I remember correctly. And there's this guy wearing number eight almost by himself. Uh keeping Germany in the game and suddenly I'm like who's that guy and I start reading about him and then watching him and I honestly I, I didn't understand why Quinton Byfield went ahead of him to me that was really really a bad decision like Lafreniere was the bona fide the, I don't know how you say this in English but the incontesté um yeah, and undisputed, exactly, number one. So, all right, cool. But that guy, you can see the talent come out of his ears. Last year, with all the, the, the diving and things, I was wondering if he was maybe not, in terms of character, the player that I thought he was going to be. But, man, tonight was a clinic. Tonight was a clinic. This is a franchise player. They, they have their franchise player. He is a real franchise player of the center. I, I looked it up, and uh, it's funny. On Google, I found two different jerseys that Stutzler wore with Germany. The one, for the most part, that I find more often than not is number eight. Mm -hmm. But I also found a number 18 at some point. So he wore both eight and 18. I don't know exactly which one he wore 18 to. I think 18 was at the men's. Uh, I, I think it's at the World Championships. I think you're exactly. right. I think you're right. And uh, number eight with the World Juniors. But, yeah, no, right now, that draft pick is looking like a great, great draft pick by the Ottawa Senators. Like, but speaking of which, though, do they have some good young kids in that organization or what? How are they not there yet this year? Yeah, Coaching? I, yeah Coaching probably. Maybe? Like why is he still I, there? Like, I'm not saying he's a bad coach. Don't get me wrong. But that's what we can – here since the beginning of the season like I, I honestly i didn't really watch uh mm -hmm. ottawa this year and but like that's always the question why like you said max why they're not there yet with the team but defense goalie is it just the ownership that they didn't change because there was a moment at the start of the season when it was going bad you could see that it was the type of moment that a coaching change could have changed the season for the best um and so i don't know like uh, i don't know tony if you know anything about this but I, yeah. honestly it's well, a question a, i ask is it really I, just because of the ownership right now that is in limbo i have an opinion on this all right i don't think they surrounded the team with good enough veterans i think they have a lot of young kids a lot of a lot of talent obviously but they didn't surround them with veterans. Who's on this team as a veteran? At the forward position, Giroud and Brassard. Giroud, that's it. Giroud, Brassard. And on, and on defense, uh, Hamannick and Holden. Like, those are, like, the only guys on this team that are on their 30, in their 30s. Like, everyone else is in their 20s. Like, you know, the best player on this team, let's just say the best player on this team is, is Tim Stutzla. Yep. He's 20 years old. 21. Let's just say Brady Kachuk is next, and he's, like, 22 like drake batherson's 24 and the brinkett's 24 and shane pinto is 21 and jake sanderson is 20 and uh you know josh norris Riley is Drake's 23 nice. and I, I know he's and but the, these they're they're young man they're really young and they're they're still have good players coming up like i just said riley greg tonight was so good playing in the dub uh so it's it's another guy that can play top six top nine 
but I think you're dead on. Like you have Giroud, you have nobody up. You don't have like vets who can fill role, but more than just a fourth liner or number seven on the back. You, you need leadership, and obviously, young players are good, but you need leadership. And I think that move, I didn't believe in first this summer, but Giroud is he's a big asset right there. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't sold on the whole closure. Like, even though I I said they should put veterans on this team, I didn't know what Giroud's motivation would be like going to this team because I didn't expect him to make the playoffs. So I said, how good of a soldier is he going to be for them if they're not going to make it? But he's been good. Like he's he's done everything he can for that team. Yeah, but are they going to miss their uh, their train? Because Tampa's not going anywhere next year. Toronto's not going anywhere. Like it, it, it's also a tough division to crack that top three. Bo Boston, then, you would have to think though, Max, that Boston, if they lose David Krejci and Patrice Bergeron at the end of the year, you'd have to think that Boston's going to take two steps back. We've been seeing this for five years. I believe it when I say it. Yeah, we've been yeah. saying Boston's going down for five years. They, it's not they, happening. They're gonna find. Season. They're gonna find somebody else who's gonna fill the spot like nobody left. That's how. Boston is built. How do you re how do you replace Patrice Bergeron, Mitch? I don't know. To be honest with you, I have no idea. Yeah. But look, like the last 10 years, they're they're losing like good pieces. Obviously, Bergeron is good. Don't get me wrong. But like maybe not him. But like anybody else, they're yeah. they're having an injury. Like they they're gonna bring somebody else that no one ever heard about him before, and he's a, he's a star player. You know, uh, the culture, you know, the mentality is something else there. They say that the 2003 draft is the best draft in the history of hockey. Patrice Bergeron was drafted 45th overall that year. And I'm willing to say that Patrice Bergeron is the best player of the 2003 draft year. I'm also uh, going to be, I'm also going to go out and say that Patrice Bergeron is the best, is the, is a top three 200 foot player of the last 20 years in the National Hockey League. Do we agree? That I agree with. Yes. Probably who who then Crosby, Bergeron, Crosby. and those are the two Taves? guys leading the pack. Taves would be there. Kopitar would... is a freakishly solid two yeah. player. I'll put Kopitar ahead. Yeah, that's who's there, I guess. You put Kopitar ahead of Patrice Bergeron? No, no, no. Uh, I had Taves. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I yeah. had him ahead of Taves too. Yeah. Coming yeah. down and with everything that happens in the past. Yeah. yeah. Kopitar's always had more uh, offensive uh, upside. Than Taves. Oh, that, and he was great. never surrounded. Yeah. And he still has two cup. W would you imagine? Would uh, you imagine back in the days playing with Phil Deneau? <laughs> yeah. Who? Who was the second center on, of these teams? Was it Jared Stoll? Well, Mike Richards was there for a few years. Mike Richards was there. He wasn't, was there. The, he wasn't that good already anymore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jeff Carter was a center. Jeff Carter was right. there too, yeah. Jeff and Carter that guy was, was good. I told hey. you, I'm looking at a two... 2003 draft and I you're dead on Bergeron is the best one who, by far who who would be then then Bergeron get is Getzlaff number Getzlaff, two Getzlaff's in that draft he's a good one get, Getzlaff uh you got Eric Stahl yeah uh, Eric Stahl after the, the great great star you know he was a great amazing center but I think he goes back a bit I think um I think Ren Suter is high Joe Pavelski, Carter Perry, Perry is high. Richard Redbird. and Carter are high. Hey, Weber's It's, in that draft, no? Yeah, was a he was a second yeah. round pick. They yeah, drafted both Suter and Weber that year. But it's Not crazy fine. to think that Flower was number one overall that year, and he's going to the Hall of Fame, and he might not be a top 10 in a redraft of that year. 
I honestly think Flower might not be a top 10 redraft of the 2003. And he's my favorite player all time. Really? I'm not sure. I'm not sure he's a top 10 draft pick of that year. When you really? look at it, it t- just top of my head. So you have Bergeron, you have Getzlaff, you have yeah. Perry, you have Stahl, you yeah. have uh, Zach Parise was in that draft. You have Shea yes. Weber, you have Ryan Suter, uh, you have the all-time great Andre Kostitsin. Brent Burns? <laughs> Brent Burns in that draft. Uh, yeah. I think Joe Pavelski is in that draft. Yes. And he was a late pick. Corey Perry? Corey Perry. Uh, Ryan Kessler. Every, everybody from the first round. Like, it's crazy that the Habs missed it, actually, when you think about it. Dustin Brown was that draft, too. Yes. Thomas Vanek was 2003. Yes. Dion Vanek. Yeah, Fanoff was 03. Yeah, that's um that's so, that's, so, so do you have Flurry top ten? He's probably top ten. It's probably like that seven, was, eight. That was that was really, really not a good pick, man. That was unfortunate. That was really not a good pick with Kostitsin. Oh, that they, one, went, yeah. they went with uh, they went with talent there, and uh that was too bad. Do we hear the same thing here? Joel Pavelski years? was picked two hundred and fifth overall in that draft. He's twenty. He's twenty-eight points shy of a thousand points in the National Hockey League. Yeah, all with the yeah, white stick. What an amazing pick! What that's that's the best. That could be that pick. There could be the best value pick in the history of the National Hockey League. No, 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 no. It's Peter Pavel Datsuk. Yeah, Datsuk is it's a Pavel Datsuk. Yes, Pavel you're right. But Pavelski's two hundred and fifth. Eh? But you're right. You're right. That's that is what. Batsuk and Zetterberg were amazing, but Pavelski's 205th. Let me see here. 205th. Oh, Datsuk yeah. 171 for Datsuk. 171? Okay. Right. So Pavelski's 205, guys. I thought oh, Datsuk right. was lower. Uh, 210 for Zetterberg. Oh. That's a great pick. 210th. Wow. So That's... who do you pick, Zetterberg or Pavelski? Zetterberg. But I, I'm completely sold on the, the, the those years of the Red Wings. So yeah, of not course. objective here. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm a big Sergey Fedorov guy. He's my favorite player. Uh, not if you exclude the goalies, Fedorov's my favorite skater of all time. Yeah, he was amazing. Oh, he's beautiful. The white skates. That's how many kids dream about those skates. That was every kid in my generation. And you know, Henrik Zetterberg, uh, not Zetterberg, sorry, Sergey Fedorov is the only player all time who wins won both the heart and the Selkie. We were talking about 200 feet players. That that is the, the he played defense when there were too many injuries. He won the Selkie and the heart in the same year. I think it was like 95, 96. Yeah. Talk about that 200 feet player. This is he's the greatest all around player of all time. Yeah. Uh, give me give me Zetterberg over Pavelski, but a lot of respect yeah. for Pavelski's career. Zetterberg, 960 points in 1,082 games. Uh, Pavelski, 972 points, 12 points more in the regular season, but in 1,209 games. So about 127 games more or whatever it was. But then again, take Joe Pavelski, take him out of San Jose and Dallas, put him in Detroit, make him play with those teams, and make him play with those players. Man, San Jose had some great teams in Pavelski's prime with Thornton. Yeah. With no, they, they did, but you know what? Put uh, put Joe Pavelski with Pavel Datsyuk, with Nick Lidstrom. It's not fair. With uh, Thomas Holmstrom. <laughs> not fair. With uh, Nick Cronwall, <laughs> with Sergei Fedorov, with Brett Hall, with Brendan Shanahan. 
Brett Hall was Igor, a bit too young for that. With right. Igor, with Igor Larionov, I was not even born. And uh, and uh, <laughs> and give him, give him. Uh, in Nets, did they have? Uh, they, they had Ashek Osgood, Vernon. No, I'm just wondering. I'm, yeah, I'm just wondering. Yeah, they they you know they had the Dominator at one point, Dominic Kasich, yeah. who, in was my there, opinion, based on what it's worth, time? for a short period of time, for two years, the most dominant goaltender in hockey ever. Ah, not, only, not only for two years. No, no, who? but well, the two years that he won the Hart Trophy for sure. Yeah, but, but the most, bad. but but the most dominant goalie in hockey for several years, but maybe not the best career because if, of the if longevity. Not for the, if not for the clutchness of Patrick Roy, I don't think there is even a debate between them. Who you're Don, talking Dominic about? Ashek did, Dominic Ashek. Dominic Ashek. What Ashek did in the 90s with Buffalo, it's, it, look at the GSAA in the GSAX of those times. Uh, it's completely maddening to see what he was doing. Goals I get it. It was the average, dead puck Goals against average of under two, save percentage above 930. Yeah, no, and the goal saved above expected. Uh, I get it was a dead puck era, but even like Carey Price season in the 15 doesn't come close to it. Uh, last year's yeah, last year's Chester Chesterkin yeah. was a historic season and it doesn't come close to it. Tim Thomas had one in I think 2010, if my memory is right. Uh, it doesn't come close to it. Like the only season that come close is um Bernie Parent with the Philadelphia Flyers in whatever year that was that he was playing, to be honest. That was really yeah, well, funny. that was uh, Bernie Perron would be uh, when they won the Stanley Cups in 74 and 75. Yeah. In terms of goal save above expected, it's the only season that comes even close to the Dominator. Yeah, and Dom- ha- ha- go ahead, Tony. Dominic Kasich, everyone remembers him at the Olympics in Nagano, especially, right? I mean, uh, yeah. the, the, game went, the game went to a shootout. That's the year that, uh, of course, Mark Crawford didn't put uh, Wayne Gretzky to take part in the shootout. Yeah, but he, he was half retired, and he, and he chose and he chose Ray Bork, and Ray unfortunately put it over the net. Great, great, great player, but you'd have to think that Wayne Gretzky had probably scored about three hundred goals in his career out of his eight hundred plus on breakaways. Um, but uh, that game, Hasek was unbelievable. I remember, I think he only gave up one goal. I think the game was tied one one. It went to a shootout, and yeah. I think it was like a Trevor Linden shot or something that was deflected off someone went to the top of the net, or else. You weren't beating him. I mean, you really weren't beating him, guys. This is uh, this was a lot of fun. I'm kind of, I'm all Suzuki'd out, and I'm all like Caulfield out, and I'm all Slavkovsky'd <laughs> out. So I think it's kind of fun that the Canadians are going now on their All Star break, and the next time they're going to be back, they're going to be playing the New York Islanders and the Edmonton Oilers, both games at twelve thirty in the afternoon. On Beautiful. Super Bowl weekend, February 11th and February 12th. Tony, which which uh, skill contest would you take part in? Which one would you be good at? I'm curious. Uh, I I've always been a fan of the uh, of 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 breakaways. You know, like shootout. Yeah, you could deke. Oh yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah. You no, but you I know, saw you, you take you off your shirt in that video. That's not. Max, that, 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 you don't have yeah. to deke. You know, I, I bought the Gila Fleur album growing up. You probably have no idea what I'm talking about because you're younger than me. But Gila Fleur had like a disco album. Okay, that's beautiful. Did you ever hear about that? I did. There okay. are two things I know about those abs album: "En Forme with Gilbert Delorme" and the yeah. Gila Fleur disco thing. So he had a he had a get a disco album, and he said, "Rule number one, or rule on breakaways, 
If the goalie stays in his net, shoot. If he comes out, deke. So if you ask me if I can deke, I don't have to deke if he stays in his net. But if he comes out, then I'll deke. Mitch, which competition would you win? Uh, Eating hot dogs? No, I don't know. Maybe (laughs) um, uh, what's the name? You know, you have the net and you have the four uh, targets. Yeah, Yeah, I I, I think that will be mine. The uh, yeah, the targets. Yeah, I could go in fastest can. Only thing. Hey guys, which side, left or right? This is different. You no, now, now that we're talking All-Star Game, and of course the All-Star Game is going to be in Florida on Saturday, February 4th, but on the Friday, the February 3rd, the night before, is going to be the skills competition. I want to leave you guys with this, and maybe, Max, you know what? You can probably help me find it because I've tried to find it for years. I never found it. Um, I really got hooked in the skills competition. I mean, there's some over the years where ally afraidy slap shot or you know that that kind of hooked me a little bit with the crown and the mullet yeah but there's one guys that really really hooked me it was it was um it was uh, basically going you know stick handling around the cones right yeah and it was three v three so two yeah. teams of three and uh you know they're you're both starting at the same spot and you both have to skate around the cones right yeah. and on one team Wayne Gretzky was skater number three. And on the other team, Mario Lemieux was skater number three. And of course, as you remember at the time, you know, Gretzky was the best player in the world. Mario was up next and Mario wanted to dethrone Wayne. And Wayne didn't want to give away, uh, you know, his, his status as number one. So they had a great competition going. Now, all eyes are on this, like the entire hockey world is watching. And uh, and Mario's team gets off to a lead. And Mario ends up leaving, taking off before Wayne. So now Mario is taking off before Wayne. Mario's six foot five. Wayne is six foot. Mario's got an incredibly long reach and long strides compared to Wayne. How is Wayne going to win? It's impossible. He's not going to win. Mario started first, right? Guys, Wayne made it back first. So now (laughs) you're going to ask me, how did he do it? Max, how do you think he did it? Getting back in the... Did did Lemieux just lose the puck at some point? He didn't. So so allow me to tell you, and I'm going to try and do this visually, even though it's going to be very hard, okay? So... Mario is, Mario is, I'm, I'm trying, okay, Mario's he's right. skating, he's skating around the cones, okay? Yeah. Stick handling around the cones. Wayne, to save time, takes a stick and goes over the cones. That was allowed? Yeah. It's he's smarter. Going, he's going, instead of going around the cones and having to cut the way in and, and turn as well, he's going over the cones. So he's going over and it's at that moment. If people hadn't realized already that the way Wayne thought about things on the ice, it's just, there was no one that was able ever able to match that. Now, having said that, Mario Lemieux, one of my favorite players of all time, I think there, there could be an incredible debate. If Mario is healthy, that Mario could have been the best. Wayne has the stats, but it looks like his goal mark might be eclipsed. But 
when Wayne did that, he really freaked me out, guys. He really freaked why. me out. It's it, it, you know you had to it, it was the first time we ever saw that at the skills competition. You know the first yeah. time you ever see something you're like wow, that's the I'm effect wa- it had on me. It's in nineties. I'm watching it on YouTube. Oh really? Yes. Wow, you got to send I just me that. Gretzky and Lemur uh, All Star, and it was the first one to pop out. And yeah, he's just going over the top. You see that? I I, yeah. I remember I remember that like it was like it was yesterday. There's a couple of things from my youth that I'll just never forget. Gretzky and Lemieux in the skills competition was one. Mario Lemieux scoring in the Canada Cup in 87. Uh, was it 87? Was was the other one. And Rocky Four was the other one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the Mighty Ducks for me, Tony. Yeah, Rocky Four is the first movie that I think I ever watched in my life. I ever went, I went downtown to watch it. I think it's the first time my mother ever allowed me to take the Metro or whatever it was. Uh, I think I was like 13 or 14 years old or probably the second time. Cause the first time I went to watch the Montreal Canadians parade, I think they both came out at the same time in 1986, but I could be wrong about Rocky four, but I think Rocky four came out in 86. But anyway, some of the things you remember sometimes as you get older, but that's that guys, I don't know where the time went. We've been talking for an hour and we talked, you know, I would say three quarters of the time about the Canadians. And then the last 15 minutes or so, we talked about the national hockey league. And it was a lot of fun, guys. And I and I thank you for this. I think it was great. We'll um, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Is that cool? Of course, Tony. All right, Max Van Hoot of ninety one point nine FM BPM Spar, and Mitch Giger of Les Carabins Women's Team. And of course, he's a former coach in the KHL. And you can follow him on Twitter. He's a you can follow both of them on Twitter. Um, what I love about Max Van Hoot is his gifts. And what I love about Mitch Jaguar is his actual videos breaking down plays and showing you what teams are doing on the power play or on the penalty kill or with their breakout or their entry plan. They're both great follows on Twitter. And as you see right now on the screen, if you're watching on YouTube Live, Facebook Live, or Twitter Live, those are their Twitter handles right there, at Max Van Hoot and at Mitch underscore Jaguar. Gentlemen, have a great night. You too, Tony. Merci, merci, les gars. Okay, merci. Salut la visite. Uh, you know what? If you want to give me a call or you want to send your questions, go for it. It's time for you called. You called. Presented by Playground. I Playground, your premier gaming destination located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal. And the number to call is 1-888-585-7425. one 888 Five eight five seven four two five. Isn't that something? I've been looking for that video for a while. And Mitch says that he goes on YouTube. He just puts Gretzky and Lemieux All Star, and that's the first thing that pops up. Anyway, I don't know. I guess I haven't looked for it for a while. Um, speaking of which, that Canada Cup. There's something when I watch on YouTube. It's called. Uh, it's it's kind of like a camera following around Gretzky and Lemieux everywhere. And I think it's a seven-part or an eight-part or a nine-part or whatever. You have to watch it. It's absolutely fantastic. It's amazing. Uh, Sammy and Yellow back at Master Control. If anyone wants to jump on the line to talk to me right now, it's probably a little bit later, but who knows? Maybe they will. Uh, I'll take their call at 1-888-585-7425. And then I'll take a couple of calls or a couple of comments, and then I'm going to make my way to bed because I'm in so much pain. I think I've slept in an uncomfortable position and my back and my shoulder is just, uh, I need to go for a massage tomorrow. That's it. I need to go for a massage. All right. Okay. Um, let's go for it. 
Give me some questions, guys. Give me some questions. Alfred Vega. Tony, would you agree that not drafting Brady Kachuk was one of the uh, worst mistakes made by Bergevin and friends? Uh, yes, it was a big mistake. Now, can we bring up Alfred Vega's picture again? Because I have a buddy by the name of Alfie Vega, and I'm trying to think, is that Alfie Vega? No, that doesn't look like it's Alfie Vega. But funny enough, Alfie Vega actually looks like that. Where are we going here? Looks like we're going to go to a call. Hello, Marinaro here. Hey. Who do I have the pleasure of speaking with? It's Rems. Hey, Rems, what's going Rems. on, Rems? Got a funny little question for you. Vas-y, mon chum. What, where do you think Bo Horvat will play in the NHL All-Star? Because he was with Vancouver. He was in the Pacific Division. Yeah. But now that he's in New York. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's he's not he's obviously not going to play for Vancouver, and he's obviously not going to play in the Pacific Division. So, exactly. So, where yeah. do you think? What do you think they'll do? I don't know. Can I ask you a question? Now that you yeah, ask me, because my answer is I don't know. Okay, but I have a question for you. Yep. Do you care that much about the skills competition and uh, or the NHL All Star Game and Bo Horvat or? Nope. I just no. find it funny. Okay, yeah, you know, uh, you find it funny. I mean, there's um, funnier things than that, you know what I mean? But anyway, yeah, okay. Yeah, I just want to put a little parenthèse if you want. Uh... Ben oui, Rems, ben oui, la parenthèse. Dis-moi, quoi d'autre, Rems? Quoi d'autre, mon chum, quoi d'autre? Tu pas ça, là, mais à propos de Pierre-Luc Dubois. Ben oui, ben oui, on va parler de Pierre-Luc. C'est comme si c'est le seul joueur qui, qui, qui existe en Ligue nationale, c'est Pierre-Luc, les autres, ils n'existent pas, là. Ça fait non, juste non, deux non, mois qu'on parle de Pierre-Luc, pour un autre équipe. C'est que tantôt, quand j'ai dit « Est-ce que vous échangeriez de Vorak? » C'est parce qu'il reste deux autres saisons avant que son contrat vienne up. Oui. Pierre-Luc Dubois, il reste une saison de plus avant qu'il vienne free agent. Mais ça va te prendre beaucoup plus. Bon. Que, it's going to take you a lot more than Christian Dvorak to get to Pierre-Luc. Comment? Ben, it's going to take you a lot more than Christian Dvorak if you want Pierre-Luc Dubois. I know, but en même temps, est-ce que tu penses qu'ils vont vouloir le perdre pour rien parce qu'il va juste avoir une saison puis après ça, ils savent que tu obèges, je m'en vais. Fait que s'ils peuvent avoir un, un centre pour deux autres années de plus avec un choix de deuxième ou de troisième ronde, penses-tu qu'ils le prendraient? Moi, je pense que ça serait quasiment un win-win trade. OK, hold on. On a un peu plus de bonheur. On peut avoir... OK, dis-moi quelque chose. Okay. 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 La deuxième ligne avec Dak. Oh, my God. On parle encore de Pierre-Luc Dubois. Avec Dak. Puis Slavkowski. Pour l'année prochaine. Ça, je pense que ça pourrait être un trio quand même très intéressant. Tu as en même temps Pierre-Luc Dubois qui peut... Je me lève le matin. On parle de, je me lève le matin, on parle de Pierre-Luc Dubois. Je sors de la maison, on parle de Pierre-Luc Dubois. Dans l'après-midi, on parle de Pierre-Luc Dubois. J'arrive à la maison, je reçois des appels, on parle de Pierre-Luc Dubois. Je fais mon podcast, on parle de Pierre-Luc Dubois. Là. I don't know, man. C'est comme s'il y a 700 joueurs dans la ligue. Il y a, mm -hmm. il y a, il y a 32 équipes. 
puis on fait comme si c'était le, le seul joueur dans la ligue dans le monde. What, what's going on here? There's 32 teams and 700 players in the league. Why are we always talking about a guy who's under contract with another team will be under contract till the end of the year. At the end of the year, he's going to go restricted free agent and he's only, and he's not going to be an unrestricted free agent until another year after that. So at that point, by the time he's unrestricted free agent, there's February, March, April, May, June, July, there's a year and a half away, a year and a half. Yeah. Why are we talking about this? Je pense que pourquoi est-ce qu'on en parle autant que ça aussi, c'est parce que c'est un des seuls Québécois qui reste assez vétéran, qui a de l'expérience dans la Ligue. Québécois, centre. C'est un des seuls qui reste qui va être potentiellement à, être, à aller chercher. Mais donnez mon opinion. C'est pour ça que... On en parle dans ça parce qu'on voit que c'est un des seuls qui va rester avec toutes les jeunes qui poussent en plus. I need to get in the spot. Rams, je comprends que les Québécois, ils aimeraient avoir des Québécois dans l'équipe. Moi aussi. Mais quand c'était pas Pierre Locke, c'était Lafrenière. Quand c'était pas Lafrenière, c'était Drouin. Quand c'était pas Drouin, c'était Brière. Quand c'était pas Brière, c'était Saint-Louis. Quand c'était pas Saint-Louis, c'est le Cavalier. On va, quand on va arrêter quand exactement? On va arrêter quand? Aucune idée. Mais là, à Pierre Dubois, après Dubois, ça va être un autre. Ah oh oui, mais il faut le former. D'après moi, présentement, le meilleur pour remplacer Dubois. Joshua Roy. Il y a quelques années, mais là, ça va être Joshua Roy. Mais il y a quelques années, ouais, ça, on est a couple de... of years ago, people were going crazy because the Canadians drafted Caden Gooley ahead of Hendrix Lapierre. Like, if we would, like, you understand, but now nobody wants to go back on that. Personne ne veut en parler aujourd'hui, là. Because it doesn't suit anyone's and anyone's case anymore. Ça fait pas leur affaire maintenant, tu sais. They talk about it at the time, and then after it happened, then, and then Kaden Gouli does great, and everyone, dit, 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 dit. They don't say a word anymore. Do you understand? Like, yeah. God love Louis LeBlanc, but when the Canadians had, like, that, that, that 17th pick or whatever it was that year, and they were at the, the Bell Center in 2009, and everyone was chanting, Louis, 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 Louis. And then Louis' career, very unfortunately, very unfortunately, didn't pan out the way we all would have wanted it to. Everyone that was chanting his name and what, you didn't hear from them after. Radio silence. What are we doing here? Are, are we talking hockey? Are we doing sports? Or are we just doing language and politics? Mais c'est qui qui fait les trios avec le Canadien? C'est-tu le, le fils de la langue française ou quoi? Là? What's, this, what's the story here? Don't we have enough politics with our politics already? We even have to do it with our hockey team? Well, I believe... If Pierre-Luc Dubois is unrestricted free agent tomorrow morning, I'll take him on my team any day of the week et deux fois le dimanche. He's probably going to be with his team for a year and a half. What, what, are, what are we doing here? 
There's nothing else in with the Canadians that we can talk about. We can't talk about Jeff Gordon's plan, Kent Hughes's plan, what they're going to do for the trade deadline, how they're going to continue to develop their players, what the ceiling is going to be for some of them, the way they attack, the way they defend, the power play, the penalty kill, the balance on the team, the depth down the middle, the goal scoring, the solutions for the power play, reevaluate maybe the coaching staff or evaluate the coaching staff, take a look at the sports science department, take a look at the athletic therapists, take a look at, you know, the injuries, probably wonder why they've lost so many man games, take a look at the way they play, take a look at the style of play, take a look at the way they practice, take a look at the other teams in their division, take a look at, you know, how far along it's going to take before they actually end up being a contender. There's 8,543 subjects that we can talk about right now with the Canadians, with Montreal, with CF Montreal, with the Alouettes, with boxing in this city, with boxing in this province, with our amateur athletes, with our sports teams, with our athletes in general. And all we do is talk about Pierre-Luc Dubois 24 hours a day, 365. I'm about to lose my mind. I need a vacation. One other thing, or if you want to uh, go back to other things. No, no, it's correct. But you know, like I need a vacation, but I'm I'm actually worried that if I go on vacation, I'm going to go down south, and when I'm going to get there, I'm going to meet some Montreal Canadiens fans, and they're going to ask me what it's going to take to get Pierre-Luc Dubois. That's why I'm would, not going on vacation. Maybe at some chance, and you and uh, tu le vois là-bas, puis il va te dire. No, no. Quand est-ce qu'ils vont arrêter de parler de moi? <laughs> Rams. Anyway, it's nice time. Nice time. Rams. Nice time. Another parenthesis. Yeah, another parenthesis. Yeah. Lane Hudson, puis Sean Farrell yes. sur le power play du Canadien dans trois ans ou quatre ans. When puis they're going to be here? The Montreal Canadiens are going to have a great power play. And by the way, I think Logan Mayu is going to be on that power play too. Thank you very much for taking the time. I appreciate right. it. Rems, I hope you have fun. Thank you very much. You sound like a good guy to me. But you know what? For my, 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 my sanity, all right, I have to go to bed now. I'm about to lose it. I, you know what? I, now, like, I used to be on three hours a day, and I'm on for an hour a Tonight, I've done, what, now, an hour and 13 or an hour and 14 minutes. I'm going to call in Yellow and Sammy tonight. I'm thinking of going on tomorrow morning. I'm thinking of going on tomorrow afternoon. thinking on of going on tomorrow night. If, if I can actually just vent the entire time. For my mental health, I think I'm going to have to. I think I'm going to have to. Hey, tell your friends about the podcast. Between you and I, there's only one marinero. Often imitated, never duplicated. The sick podcast is going to be the sickest podcast in the history of all podcasts. Not just talking Habs, not just talking sports, and not just talking about Pierre-Luc Dubois. We're going to talk about everything. We're even going to be the sickest podcast when it comes to venting. That's what we're going to do. Like it if you like what you're seeing. Like it. 
if you like what you're watching, share it with your friends. Message sick if you love it, S-I-C-K. And if you listen on Google, Apple, or Spotify, leave us a five-star review. It makes us feel pretty good about what we're doing, and it makes us wanting to come back for more, even knowing that you might end up talking to me about Pierre-Luc Dubois. Hey, I had quite the discussion with Kai Kamara of CF Montreal earlier today. It's probably something that we're going to talk about tomorrow as well as talking Habs, Habs, and more Habs, even though they're going to be off for at least a week before they come back and they start training again. And their next game, once again, is going to be on Saturday, February 11th. Have a great night. Special thanks to 8.6 Beer, LaCash, Energy Transportation Group, Monday to Friday, 10 p.m. I'm Marinaro. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinaro on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6. Intense by nature and Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. The menu will surprise you.